The great turning point in the gospel story is recorded in the three uh, first or synoptic gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, somewhere about the middle of each of those gospel stories. Uh, It's a place where Jesus asks his disciples what the people out there, who they think he is. What are they saying about him? And they give him the various answers that they have heard. And then he addresses them and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers for the twelve, you are the Christ. Matthew records, son of the living God. And the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the coming son of King David, who would come and return Israel to its former glory. And then you read in all the accounts, immediately, Jesus began to teach them that he was under divine imperative. He must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed. And he must, on the third day, rise again. Three times in the Gospel of Mark, within two chapters, Mark records the befuddlement of the apostles at Jesus' teaching. In the eighth chapter, right after the account of of that interchange between Jesus and his apostles and Peter giving his answer, you are the Christ. He began, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And the immediate response is given by Peter who took him aside and began to rebuke him. Then a chapter later, in chapter 9, verses 31 and 32, Jesus was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And then right in between those two accounts is our our passage from which our text comes this morning. Chapter 9 of the Gospel of Mark. uh, Look at it in your Bibles if you have them on your cell phone or in the bulletin, wherever it is printed in the bulletin. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And uh, you can read all of the different uh, uh, speculations about, well, who is it 
that won't see death. What does it mean, the coming of the kingdom with power? And have a hundred different answers, I guess. I think the easiest one and the most obvious one is that in all the cases, all three of the, the, these uh, synoptic gospels, this, uh, these words appear uh, and then they're followed either immediately or close by uh, with the account of what we call the transfiguration. And there he identifies the three, Peter, James, and John, uh, and the coming of the kingdom with power in what we're going to read. Verse 2, and, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And the cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And then our text for this morning. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what it records, the reality in our lives, the ground of our faith and our hope and our joy. We pray, O oh Holy Spirit of God, that you open this to us and apply it to us and uh, remind us of what we're about on this Resurrection Sunday. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. They just didn't get it, you know? They just, they were all befuddled, and they just didn't get it. And sometimes on this side of the empty tomb, we likewise, we forget. And we sometimes don't quite get it because we've lost sight of it. These men were typical Jews of their day. They were looking for an earthly king to come and restore the glory, the golden age of Israel. A suffering, dying king wasn't in their playbook. And the transfiguration really didn't help them much. It didn't, didn't help them get it. They saw something of the glory of Christ, something of the glory of the kingdom, something of the glory of heaven. They saw Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. 
Peter was the only one who could, could even put together a sentence or two. And what he said was pretty much nonsensical. They were terrified. They were terrified. How could this glorious heavenly Messiah suffer, be killed? And what in the world did it mean, this, this rising from the dead? They were, again, typical of the Jews of their day with the exception of the, uh, of the Sadducees. Everyone else was expecting a general resurrection. Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection and they had their reasons for it. But all the other Jews did. A general resurrection, often a distant time at the end of everything. But this idea of a of a suffering, dying Messiah who would rise alone was foreign. They, they just they couldn't put it all together. What did this resurrection mean? And from our side of it, we can look back on it and and understand something of what Jesus was telling, telling them as they were coming down the mountain. Now, don't say a word about this until after the resurrection. Because they would never understand it until after the resurrection. Well, we look at it from this side and we say, well, at least we can say this. In the first place, it meant they were right. that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He's the one they were looking for. He's the king. He's the greater King David. What they didn't get, what they misunderstood, was how he was going to accomplish, well, what he was going to accomplish, and how he was going to accomplish it, this Messiah for whom they looked. They expected him to come and restore the glory of Israel by rescuing it from Rome, by raising up an army, I guess, taking on Rome and being victorious just uh, like, you know, little King David. Establishing his glorious kingdom on earth was what he came to do, but not the way they had it figured out. It wasn't just Israel. He would come and establish his kingdom by rescuing people from every tongue and tribe and nation. Delivering them from their bondage to sin and unbelief. And he would do that by bearing their deserved, well-earned judgment in himself on the cross. But how? How would those disciples, how would those apostles, how would you, how would I know that was all so if it weren't for the resurrection? Had he not been raised on the third day? Listen to Paul. Talking of Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness 
by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus' resurrection is the loud, powerful proclamation that Jesus is Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. Sing to God a hymn of gladness. Sing to God a hymn of praise. He who on the cross of victim for the world's salvation bled, Jesus Christ, the King of glory, now is risen from the dead. They were right. Those, here it comes again. Those guys in their jean cutoffs and t-shirts and baseball caps and and Cajun Reeboks, those white boots that everybody wears on the coast of Louisiana. If they're fishermen, they had it right. They had him paid. But secondly, it meant not only is he the Messiah, but that the Messiah successfully accomplished his mission. Jesus is on the cross. It's nearing to the end. He cries out, It is finished. The sixth of his seven words from the cross. Fifth, maybe. Uh, It is finished. And it was. Everything that needed to be done for your and my salvation was done there at Calvary. Everything required to establish his kingdom on earth, this this outpost of heaven on earth, was done. Everything required for you and me to be cleansed, to be forgiven, to be made new creatures, to be made a new people, to be given new hope, was done. Behold the man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was his love that held me there until it was accomplished. My dying breath, pardon me, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. It's not only finished, it was accepted. The resurrection was, if you will, the Father's amen to everything that the Lord Jesus had done on this earth. On that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine. 
bought with the precious blood of Christ. It was efficacious. It was finished. It was good for all who believe in him. It's received through faith. Remember in the book of Genesis, we record that Abraham believed God, took God at his word, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You come to the New Testament and the Apostle Paul uh, writes about Abraham, the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours, and that includes you and me. Ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Easter is a Christian celebration. Those outside of Christ have nothing to celebrate. This of all days ought to be the blackest day for them. And I'd be remiss and probably be a little naive if I thought everybody in this room was trusting in the Lord Jesus this morning for their salvation. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But that's the invitation this morning to do just that. To come to Christ. To rest in Him as Lord. This crucified for your sins. Risen Lord Jesus Christ. And we'd love to talk to you about that after, after worship this morning. Third, it meant you and I need not fear. Not life not death, not judgment. Peter's such an interesting person. Uh, love Peter. I had a friend who, uh, who came, like I did, to Christ late. And uh, he, he said, you know, I, I couldn't stand the Bible if it wasn't for David and Peter. You know, and they just, he said, when I'm really down, I go find David and Peter, they're my friends. And to them, I come to Jesus. Through them, I come to Jesus. Well, there's Peter. Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Okay, now I'm going to start t- teaching. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise again. Peter, God forbid. That'll never happen to you. Hush, Jesus, don't talk like that. That's before the resurrection. And that's precisely why going down the mountain, Jesus said, don't you tell us all about this. It's got to all be proven, and it hasn't been proven yet. You've got to have more to tell them. So after the resurrection, Peter writes this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We sang in a minute ago. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. No power of hell. No scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. And last, finally, it meant you and I have reason to celebrate this morning. With more than baskets and bonnets and bonbons and bunnies, with deep true, profound joy and gladness and praise and singing. For you who have believed have eternal life in him who died and rose. Because he died and rose. Now the iron bars are broken, Christ from death to life is born. Glorious life and life immortal on this holy Easter morn. Christ has triumphed and we conquer by his mighty enterprise. We with him to life eternal by his resurrection rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God on high. Hallelujah to the Savior who has gained the victory. Hallelujah to the Spirit, fount of love and sanctity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the triune majesty. Our God, our Father, our Savior, the one who empowers us enables us to believe to the saving of our souls. Triune majesty, our God, we bless you this morning and we thank you. We ask, O Lord, that your word this morning would come to our hearts and minds and souls and renew us with a deep and profound and eternal joy. For Jesus' sake, amen.